This is No Dogma Podcast. I'm Brian Hogan, and this evening I'm joined by Brandon Minnick, a developer advocate at Microsoft, focusing on .NET and mobile communities, and he's joining me from California. Thank you very much for taking time out of your evening, Brandon. Hey, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on again. Yeah, this is, I think, our third, or it's our third time, I think, and maybe our fourth or fifth podcast, because I split a few of them into two parties. <laughs> That's right, yeah. But for people who haven't heard those ones, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, my name is Brandon Minnick. I work at Microsoft as a developer advocate where I have the awesome job of sharing cool things you can do with Microsoft stuff. So uh, it means speaking at a lot of conferences, hosting workshops, teaching folks um, what you can do with the Microsoft tools. And my background was with uh, C Sharp, .NET, Mobile, Xamarin. And so those are the communities I really focus with. Uh, so if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me talking about a lot of .NET, a lot of mobile stuff, a lot of C Sharp stuff, because uh, that's that's the thing. Those are the things I love to chat about and uh, love meeting with the community and seeing how they're using stuff, so I can also help make the products better and more tailored to what everybody's doing in the community. I remember when we met a few years back. You were traveling at an incredible pace. I, I think you were saying maybe <laughs> once a month or something. You were going on you know, a, a significant trip. Um, how are you now when that's absent? <laughs> well, ironically, I think we met at NDC Oslo yeah, we a did. couple of years ago. And I just spoke at NDC Oslo. Mm -hmm. uh, that would have been December, so last month. And right now I'm not really leaving the house at all. Um, the Omicron variants ripping through um, here in California and I'm sure most of the US and probably most of the world. And I'm uh, vaccinated, boosted, but still don't want to catch it or spread it. So just hanging out at home, kind of like we were doing back in back in the good old days of 2020. But yeah, um, I was traveling probably twice a month uh, when we first met. And 2020 definitely scaled that back to around zero. <laughs> and then I had my first conference in person again. Um, in 2021, it was a conference called That Conference, which is a great name. Is Anytime anybody asks what conference you're going to, you're like, oh, that conference. But fabulous conference in Wisconsin. I love going there. I've spoken there I think, every year for the last four years. And while I was there was when the Delta variant started ripping through the U.S. And so it was literally while I was at that conference when uh, I forget who the CDC or Fauci came out and said, we all got to start wearing masks again. Because if you remember, there was that little like glimmer of hope um, <laughs> earlier in 2021 where it's like, hey, we don't need to wear masks anymore if you're fully vaccinated um, and you could hold events. And so it was, it was a little weird because we we're all already at the conference and it's kind of like, should we still be here? Um, and so after that, uh, things kind of died down until we as a, we'll say, society got our arms around Delta and learned about how to live with it, manage it. And I was able to go to uh, a couple conferences, one in Prague, a conference called Update that happens every year in November. If you're a .NET developer somewhere around Central Europe, go check out Update. It's amazing. Um, also spoken there for the last three or four years, uh, minus 2020, of course. And then, yeah, went straight from there to NDC Oslo, 
which is <laughs> uh, where I was when the Omicron variant was discovered. And there was even um, cases confirmed in Oslo of the Omicron variant. So while I was there, Oslo literally locked down the last day of the conference. Um, they had to limit a mission, which was also just happened to be the day I was speaking. So I spoke to a half empty room, which is fine. Uh, NDC records the sessions and puts them on YouTube. And usually that's where you can help the most people and make the biggest impact anyways. But um, yeah, I, I <laughs> for some reason have this uh, knack for being at conferences while new variants of COVID come out. Um, heck, I was in Seoul in South Korea when the first confirmed case of COVID back in January 2020 came to Seoul. So yeah, I guess every time I travel for a conference now, um, bad things happen. I should probably slow down. <laughs> but all this time at home has given you a chance to work on your Git Trends app. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I released this app uh, March 2020 or June 2020, I think. Um, and that was kind of back when we thought, oh, yeah, this pandemic be a couple weeks. And, you know, why not have a pandemic project? But yeah, it's a free app in for iOS and Android. It's available in both app stores called Git Trends, G-I-T-T-R-E-N-D-S. And it's a play on words about um, Git and GitHub and the trends that happen on your repos. So I selfishly made the app for me because I have a couple hundred open source repos on GitHub from samples to uh, actual apps. And, you know, sometimes they'll kind of take off. Like somebody will mention the app in a blog post or an old YouTube video I made will get traction again. And, um, and then all of a sudden I'll have hundreds, thousands of people visiting this repo over a couple of weeks that maybe I haven't really touched the code in a couple of years. And so I, I was looking around. I was like, man, I, I wish there was an app that would notify me when one of my repos is trending. And I was like, you know what? I know how to do that. I'm going to make it. And yeah, the app is totally open source. You can go to gettrends.com and that'll forward you to the GitHub repo where you can also find the links to download it. And yeah, I highly recommend everybody checking it out if you're also an avid GitHub user and you'd like to be notified. I just pushed out a huge update about a week ago that also enables you to get notified for repos that belong to an organization you're in. So that was a big request because originally it only showed the repos you own. So if you were an admin on a repo, we were monitoring it and get trends. Now in the settings page, you can toggle on your organizations. And if you work at a company, like I work at Microsoft and I have access to all these organizational repos, I can also monitor those now using Git Trends. So uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Leave me a review. Let me know what you think. Star the repo. Do all the things. Tell your friends about it because I've put in a lot of hours and it's totally free. Just a passion project that I made because I wanted it, but also want to make it better, improve it for everybody else that's out there using it now. Our previous podcast, I think 
maybe the most recent one, I'm not sure, episode 148, it was you talking about how you got that app into the app stores, <laughs> the, the Google one and the um, the Apple one. But it, you cover a lot about Git Trends in that, and it's some great advice on getting apps into stores. It's It's difficult, and Apple actually blocked me again for this update because they said that my app copied the GitHub app and that people would get confused between Git Trends and GitHub. And I had to appeal it. <laughs> and what that means is you just write this really long letter that's very detailed, as detailed as you can, and you submit it and you cross your fingers. Um, but I, for me, it was pretty easy because Git Trends came out before GitHub's iOS and Android apps. So I was like, I don't understand how I could copy an app that didn't exist yet. And they approved my appeal and we got the update pushed through. <laughs> nice. But let's uh, let's change to our topic for tonight. And it's going to be about Maui. So for people that have never heard of it, can we get a quick overview? And then a little later, we'll have a, a deeper dive. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on to talk about this because Maui is still in preview. So if you haven't heard of it yet, you haven't missed anything. Um, we're going to, or we being Microsoft, uh, we're going to release it in the second quarter of 2022. So sometime around May is what we're thinking right now, May 2022. And it stands for Multi-Platform Application User Interface, or Multi-Platform App UI is the acronym. And what it is, it's a way to create an app in a cross-platform manner that runs on iOS, Android, macOS, and Windows. So the idea is you write your code once, and it'll run natively on all four platforms. Gotcha. So for people that haven't heard of it and are going, hey, but I've got a ton of other technologies from Microsoft, can you kind of go through some of the other options that we currently have? Yeah, and I should also say that Maui is for C-sharp developers. So .NET developers, C-sharp developers, I don't do F-sharp, um, so probably F-sharp developers too. But um, yeah, so the other options, when you kind of think of what else is around in the .NET world, um, there's options like Blazor, um, there's options like uh, WinForms, um, UWP, WPF, WinUI, um, Xamarin, Xamarin Forms, and a lot of those are also kind of underlying technologies with Maui. So, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, Maui's definitely built on the shoulders of giants and actually leveraging a lot of those technologies as well. You mentioned Blazor there. I've only used Blazor as a web technology. Is it also a desktop technology? Ooh, yeah, actually, good question. Great qualifier. Um, so with with Maui, um, not to go too deep just yet, but basically it abstracts away the platform-specific implementations from us, the developer. Um, so we don't really have to know that on iOS, to put a button on the screen, the API is called UI button. We don't have to know that as .NET Maui developers. And one of the technologies we can use to create our apps for Maui is writing our apps with Blazor web views. So 
I'm sure you're familiar um, with web-based technologies like Electron that allow you to run web on the desktop. Um, similar idea here. So if you're familiar with using the Blazor app model, that Blazor syntax, then you can use that and compile that app down and run it on iOS, Android, macOS, and Windows. So that that's also still in preview. That'll hopefully release alongside Maui um, in GA um, in, in May, but TVD on that. Um, but yeah, Maui kind of allows these different ways of writing our apps, whether you want to use the Blazor syntax, whether you want to use XAML and MVVM, whether you want to use C Sharp and MVU, which is a different architecture. Uh, you can do all that and all that underlying platform-specific technology like iOS, Android, macOS, Windows, the things that the platforms care about is abstracted away. So the app just just works. It just runs <laughs> on those platforms. And you don't have to know about how to necessarily create a native Windows desktop app because Maui will translate and compile your code down for you to do that on your behalf. Okay, so is it... If I am happy using some of the existing technologies, is Maui replacing anything or is it coming in as a sort of beside the the, the ones that are already there? Yeah, so that's a cool thing. Um, so we have all these tools. All these tools exist, right? Um, because for Maui to give you your iOS app, what it's really doing is using Xamarin iOS under the hood. Uh, which will be rebranding to um, .NET iOS coming up. Um, and likewise, for Android, it's using the Xamarin Android slash .NET Android technology. For Windows, it's using WinUI. Um, and then macOS, we're actually taking advantage of something Apple created a while ago called Catalyst that allows you to run your iOS apps on Mac. Um, so we're, we're cheating a little bit there. <laughs> but... Uh, in the in the best way possible, leveraging the tools that um, Apple is, has given to us. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's replacing any of those because, um, for example, Maui leverages WinUI. So when you compile your Maui app down to run it on Windows Desktop, it's leveraging all the WinUI API surface, which I'm not a desktop developer. I've always been a mobile developer. Um, but my understanding of WinUI is it's basically a unification of um, UWP and WPF. Hopefully I got that right, where it's brought those APIs together. Um, but that's, that's about as far as I can get into <laughs> Windows desktop without uh, sounding too silly. I'm sure somebody's screaming at the podcast right now. Going, no. <laughs> Send your totally messages different. to Brandon Minnick on Twitter <laughs> or anywhere else you can find them. But uh, but yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, if you still want to create a um, a WPF app, that technology is absolutely still there. Same if you wanted to create a, um, just a native iOS app using Xamarin, that technology is still there. Um, but one of the things you can consider going forward, if you are creating a new app, and yeah, maybe right now, today, we only are going to run it on Windows. But if we build it using .NET MAUI, and we want to someday run it on macOS, we could. So it kind of opens up that future possibility, which is kind of cool. 
Is it a new syntax or is it one I you were I didn't quite understand you were saying <laughs> you can write something in one of the older ones and then use it with Maui but I, I didn't quite follow that part. Yeah, so there's so, so there's layers to Maui. Um and this is where Maybe we need to go for good. the deep dive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, buckle up everybody. Um, so there's this core layer. Um and Maui's all open source too. So it's in the .NET organization on GitHub, so everybody can check out the code. You can follow along as we're talking about it. But yeah, there's a core library for Maui, and when you dig into that code, you'll see you'll see a bunch of interfaces like I button, uh, I entry, I picker, I I everything. So anything, any sort of UI that could appear on the screen, Maui has an interface for. And then the other thing you'll see are what they call handlers. And handlers essentially map the interface's um, properties, methods to the native controls. And so iButton maps to a UI button on iOS or on Android. It maps to its native button, which is a Android material button. Um, and so that core portion of the Maui library is this interface layer that also maps to the platforms and it knows how to translate anything you give it. So if you give it an implementation of iButton, then it knows how to create a UI button for iOS and an Android material button on Android and so on. Um, so if we go up one layer, that's where these... I call it the, the app model layers exist. Um, so there is one where all those interfaces are implemented for XAML and MVVM. And specifically, this is the Xamarin Forms XAML. Um, I know there's a little bit of contention because UWP XAML is a little bit different than Xamarin Forms XAML, and uh, they never united, but Maui will be going with the Xamarin Forms XAML. So if you're a Xamarin Forms developer, and you understand the Xamarin Forms XAML, you like making your apps using MVVM, great. You can still do that, and it's almost exactly the same um, as you did in Xamarin Forms as you will do in Maui. And that is called the, uh, it's Microsoft.Maui.Controls is the namespace. So we have our core layer, which is the interfaces and then the platform-specific implementations for each interface. And then you can plug in these different app models. So we have our Maui controls, which is XAML and MVVM. Uh, there's another one that plugs into the Maui core layer called the Blazor WebView that takes advantage of the fact that all four platforms can run web technologies. So we can leverage our Blazor's uh, knowledge and skills, and it'll still compile down and run the app on iOS, Android, Mac OS, and Windows. Um, there's another one called Comet. Comet uses C-sharp uh, declarative syntax for its UIs in the, the model view update architecture. And so this is, this is kind of the, the big thing with Maui um, that probably not a lot of people will see. Um, not a lot of developers like me, for example, will need to even worry about it because I can just pick and choose, right? It's like, if I want to use XAML and MVVM, great. I'll go forward with this uh, this version of Maui. Um, if I want to use C Sharp and MVU, I'll go forward with the Comet version that also runs on Maui. Um, 
But then if you think about it, this whole modular modularization, mo- modularization, mo- modular life. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. Um, we've created the ability to add modules into this core library. So if Brian, if, if you had um, uh, a whole new way of creating apps that you love, you could hook into the core libraries just by implementing the interfaces. And then you don't have to worry about how, how iOS works or how Android works because Maui will do that for you. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, there's been a lot of requests to add more platforms to Maui. Um, right now, we're focused on iOS, Android, macOS, and Windows. But if one day we wanted to add Linux, and I shouldn't say wanted to add because we do want to add uh, right now it's just a matter of time resources <laughs> and so hopefully someday when we add uh, uh, Linux we just have to basically plug that into the core library so figure out a way to map all the interfaces like I button to whatever the native button is on Linux and you kind of wire everything up and then your code that you wrote say in XAML and MVVM will just run on Linux. Um, and so, so yeah, it's kind of, Maui's been this huge re-architecture of what started out as Xamarin Forms, gosh, about a decade ago. Um, basically, it was kind of like, if, if we were to recreate Xamarin Forms today, how would we do it? And that's what, well, I say we, Microsoft, the, the, engin- the .NET engineers who are way smarter than me figured all this out. Uh, I'm just, lucky enough to share it with everybody. But yeah, basically re-architect uh, Xamarin Forms using this uh, interface layer, this core layer that things can plug into, and it'll make it easier to expand on top. And, you know, there's even, um, there's great tools out there like Uno. Uno is a cross-platform UI tool that um, uses the UWP XAML syntax. And if they wanted to, they could just hook into Maui and they could, again, not have to worry about iOS, Android and, uh, and all, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, it kind of opens the door for a lot of new things and it will be the recommended cross-platform framework for just .NET developers going forward. So if anybody wants to create cross-platform apps that run on macOS, Windows, iOS and Android... You'll be doing them in Maui, hopefully. Is the expectation that you could have one single piece of source code and you could compile it down for iOS and Android and it will work without modifications on both? Yep. Um, <laughs> that's, that's definitely the dream. Um, the, yeah, the, the dream is you shouldn't have to touch the platform-specific code. Now, it's all there. So if you wanted to do something custom, like a custom splash screen for iOS that is different than the splash screen that you're going to have on Android, you can absolutely do that because all of the native APIs are there. Um, like Maui literally compiles down into the native apps. So you have access to all the um, UI kit libraries, all the Android material libraries on Android. Um, those are all still there. So if you want to, you can customize Maui to do stuff that maybe doesn't include out of the box. But 
hopefully there's enough there to get you to 90%, 95%, 99% of your app. There's also included in Maui is something called Maui Essentials, which is if, you, if you've heard of Xamarin Essentials, Maui Essentials is <laughs> the Maui version of that. But basically, it's kind of essential tools that um, mobile app developers need. So think about things like getting the user's geolocation. Super common in just about every mobile app, right? We get that pop-up that's like, this app would like to know your location. And you say, no, I value my privacy. <laughs> but um, on iOS, the APIs for geolocation are different than the APIs for geolocation on Android. And so what Maui Essentials does is it creates a cross-platform API that in our cross-platform code, we can just say, get the get the user's location. And under the hood, Maui Essentials is hitting those APIs on iOS and or hitting the Android-specific APIs or the Windows-specific APIs for us so that we don't necessarily have to become iOS, Android, Windows, macOS experts. And yeah, I found, you know, even with uh, my, my app Get Trends that we were talking about earlier, um, it's not on Maui. It's kind of the the pre-Maui, which was Xamarin Forms with Xamarin Essentials. But yeah, uh, just about all that code is shared between iOS and Android. I barely had to do any plat- what we call platform-specific code. Um, but sometimes you do. Like my app, Get Trends has push notifications. And I had to handle them differently on Android than I did on iOS. So I wrote some... Android specific code. And I wrote some iOS specific code, but um, yeah, for the rest of the app, probably 95, 98% of that code is totally cross platform shared between iOS and Android. If you wanted to take Git Trends, would it be easy for you to migrate that to .NET MAUI? Ooh, so that will be the plan um, because uh, with with it being built in Xamarin Forms and the Xamarin Forms team announcing that basically their their roadmap, their support schedule will be no new features to Xamarin Forms, but we'll still be releasing service releases, so bug fixes. Um, they the team initially re- announced a year of Xamarin Forms support after .NET Maui debuted. But that was also back when we were pushing to debut.NET MAUI alongside .NET 6 in November. Um, so at least we'll, we'll have at least another year of Xamarin Forms once .NET MAUI comes out, or bug fixes for Xamarin Forms, I should say. Um, if not more, uh, we might just round that up <laughs> to the calendar year, but we'll see. So yeah, I, I, I'll have to port Git Trends to .NET MAUI. And from from the code standpoint, the code's going to be almost identical. Um, .NET Maui did remove a couple things that just weren't weren't good. <laughs> like uh, and in terms of performance, like there's certain layouts you can choose from. Um, if, if you've done any UI work, you've probably heard of like like stack layouts where you can vertically stack your UI on top of each other, or horizontal stack layouts. Same idea. Um, you could put layouts in a grid, um, and there was a couple layouts like relative layout and absolute layout that existed in Xamarin Forms that won't be coming to Maui. Um, 
Although they're, the team's working on compatibility layers. So, um, but anyways, so other than that, other than a couple things that were deprecated, um, the code's nearly identical. So if you know Xamarin Forum XAML, um, that XAML will look very, very familiar. You'll have to update a couple namespaces from Xamarin Forms to Microsoft Maui. Um, but I would say the biggest difference is in the architecture. So with .NET Maui, we've also introduced the ability to create these apps using um, multi-targeting and single projects. And that is a that could probably be a podcast on its own, but it offers a whole slew of benefits. Um, but basically, um, if you look at my Git Trends app today, you'll see uh, a .NET standard project that's inherited by a Xamarin iOS project, and it's also inherited by a Xamarin Android project. Um, and I'll basically consolidate all that down to one project um, that'll be multi-targeting. So that one project will target uh, .NET 6, it'll, it'll target .NET 6 iOS, it'll target .NET 6 Android. Um, and then there's some, well, there's a lot of benefits there that I can take advantage of to kind of slim down my code a little bit. Because when you have these, the architecture where it exists now with multiple csproj files and .NET standard libraries, you have to then understand things like uh, dependency injection and inversion of control. And with a single project, you don't really have to worry about that. It's all just there. You don't have to necessarily worry about how do I get from my .NET standard project back to my iOS project. Um, so it's it's all good. Um, <laughs> it's all for the for the better. But yeah, that, I think I see that is where I'll be investing most of my time. And then the other thing that we're trying to encourage is if you are a Xamarin Forms library creator, owner, maintainer, you know, there's a lot of amazing libraries out there that we use. And you know, off the top of my head, I can think of like Sharpnado, FF image loading. I use those in all my apps. And they'll have to update their NuGet packages for .NET MAUI. So that's that's going to be something that the library owners will have to do before I can update my app because I can't just switch my code over to MAUI and slap in the same NuGet package that was targeting Xamarin Forms. So they'll have to target .NET MAUI and then I can do it. So there will also be a bit of a... Um, it's a chicken or an egg thing where it's like, I really want to do this, but I'm still waiting on this, <laughs> this library to be updated. Um, so I see that being kind of the, the long pole in terms of time. Um, like what caused me to wait the longest to port my app to .NET MAUI? Well, I love this library and the Sharpnado library order didn't have the update out for a couple months. So I had to wait a couple months. But then once I get jamming on my code, then I see more of the just re-architecting the project and having fun with that more so than necessarily having to rewrite any code because that application layer is nearly identical. Gotcha. If I wanted to start using Maui now, what do I need? Oh, yeah. 
So, right. We are releasing Maui in a couple months, but it is totally available in preview. Yeah, preview. <laughs> I've, I've been using it myself. Um, and what you can do is, if you're on Windows, you can install the latest preview of Visual Studio 2022. Has to be a preview um, as opposed to the um, GA or whatever they're called. Right. And yep. I mean, the, the nice thing is you can run what side we call the, the stable of Visual Studio alongside. Right. So I have them both installed on, yep. on my PC. And when you when you have the Visual Studio installer open, you know how it gives you a bunch of options like, mm-hmm. do you want to do desktop development? Do you want to do mobile development? Do you want to do web development? Um, you'll see a checkbox for .NET MAUI. And so just make sure you check that because when I did it, which was a couple months ago, it was not Maui was not checked by default. So just make sure to check that box. And then when Visual Studio installs, it'll give you all the tools. Um, now, everything is also available for other platforms. So like I primarily use a Mac. Um, it kind of comes from being an iOS developer. You have to use a Mac and it's just makes things easier <laughs> some days. So. Um, yeah, on the Mac, um, you can install .NET MAUI from the command line. There's a, a new thing in .NET 6 called workloads that basically, you know, we were talking about, <laughs> I'm going to stumble on this word again, modularize, modularization. <laughs> um, well, we also modularize .NET. Um, so when you install .NET, uh, like if you just went to the, if you just Google download .NET 6 and you just install .NET on your computer, um, it doesn't necessarily bring in everything. And what we've done is create these things called workloads. So now MAUI is a workload, an optional workload that you can add to your .NET install. And on the Mac, what I do is uh, open up the terminal at the command line, type in .NET space workload space install space MAUI, and that'll bring in all the Maui libraries because right now, um, if you install the latest preview for Visual Studio for Mac, it won't include Maui out of the box. Um, they're still catching up because the, the team made the choice to completely redesign Visual Studio for Mac. So it, they're going it, to, and it looks great. I've, I've been using it for a while now and I love it. Um, but yeah, they took on this mammoth task of, um, making it use all the native controls, you know, updating it for like the M1 processors, and then <laughs> they'll they'll bring in the Maui stuff. So um, yeah, Visual Studio for Mac's a little bit high, little behind when it comes to Maui, but I've still been using it. You just have to use the command line to install everything. But the easiest way, yeah, install Visual Studio 2022 preview, and when you do it, make sure that Maui checkbox is checked. And then there are some project templates, I suppose, to help you get started. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, you can just say file new. Um, and I don't know the last time you, you did file new in Visual Studio, but man, it seems like there's like hundreds of templates yeah. for everything you can think of. So what I do, instead of scrolling through there, there's a little search bar yep. or filter filters, at the top. Yeah, I like the filters. Yeah. So I just type in Maui and then there's there's a couple there you can choose from. And release date, you think, for the full one you were suggesting, perhaps May this year? Is there some event yeah, I the, build or something that's tied in with? Or um, That's a good question. I mean, so 
I should I should caveat this with the the official release date is Q2 2022. So but Brandon said so I mean <laughs> they they have to now. <laughs> right. You've made it public. <laughs> what we're what we're targeting is it's been announced. May. <laughs> okay. And and yeah, I mean that is that is usually when build happens and so I have heard and again nothing nothing's official um but things we're looking into is yeah, leveraging um, build maybe I've, I've been asking around to see if I can get on stage for the keynote and show off some Maui stuff. Who knows? I've never been in a build keynote before. So that's, that one's kind of selfish for me because I want to get on stage. And <laughs> um, but also, um, if you've been following the .NET team at Microsoft, we've been doing monthly themes. So, uh, you know, one month we'll focus on AI and ML stuff you can do with .NET. Another month we'll focus on Blazor, Blazor and .NET. Um, and our theme for May will be Maui. So there should be lots of noise and announcements. Um, even if you're not a Xamarin developer or you're not a WinUI developer, macOS developer, if you're just a C-sharp .NET developer, you should start seeing lots of videos, lots of announcements, blog posts, and hopefully me in a keynote. Get me on stage. Somebody, <laughs> if you're listening, get me on stage at the, at the Microsoft Build keynote so we can show off Maui. <laughs> you also have a, a thing called the .NET Maui Community Toolkit. What's that? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with everybody. So this is, again, if, if anybody's familiar with Xamarin and the Xamarin Community Toolkit. This is the same thing, but for .NET Maui. But what it is is basically an open source community-led library. Uh, you can find us on GitHub. There's a whole org called Community Toolkit, where if you maybe you've heard of the Windows Community Toolkit or the MVVM Toolkit, um, we live in there alongside them as the Maui Community Toolkit. And what it is is um, just helpful additions that you know think about the apps you write where you just copy paste code every time right like you just kind of go back to a previous app and you copy paste a couple classes and you bring those from app to app and man wouldn't that be helpful if that was in a nuget package so uh what we encourage uh the community to do is give us those tools the, those tools you end up using for every app uh specifically for dotnet maui um, we'll add them to this NuGet package, and then they're just there for you. So, um, a good example is like a, taking a taking a picture, uh, something we would call a camera view. Um, again, super common for iOS and Android apps to need to take a picture of something, and it's not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> iOS and Android both have really complicated camera APIs, um, and so. For example, in the Xamarin Community Toolkit, we have a camera view that it just works. You don't have to worry about how do I create this for iOS and how do I create this for Android. And so, yeah, we want to encourage everybody to uh, bring in those tools to the Community Toolkit. We have a whole process <laughs> that we've laid out where um, we're taking advantage of GitHub discussions. So we'll start off with a discussion. So, Brian, if you came in and said, hey, I created this really cool calendar UI control. Um, you would start out with a GitHub discussion on the community toolkit 
Maui GitHub repo. And that way we can chat about it a little bit. Everybody from the community can chime in and say, oh, it looks like your calendar has a bug in it where in months with a leap year, this happens. And we, you know, we can kind of get ahead of these things. Um, and the discussions kind of help us flesh out what this is going to be, what's its API surface going to look like. And then we'll create something called our proposal, which is just an issue in GitHub, but we add a little tag to it that says this is a proposal for a new feature. And then that's where we can kind of shepherd it along. So somebody on the core maintainer team, there's about five of us right now um, for the .NET MAUI Community Toolkit. Um, one of us will essentially be your, your product manager, project manager, <laughs> PM, um, and kind of help guide you through the process. So you've got your calendar control proposal, Brian, and then we'll say, okay, this looks good. Go, you're clear to start writing code. We'll open up the pull request and we'll help make sure we get reviews and we'll help make sure like the code doesn't go stale. And we'll also help make sure we get documentation written. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a whole process, but yeah, just come in, um, check it out because there's things like converters and behaviors and uh, alerts and extensions that you can already take advantage of today. We've released four previews of the .NET MAUI Community Toolkit, and the plan is to push out the first non-pre-release version alongside .NET MAUI in Q2 2022. <laughs> uh, it's nice that you're there to help people because I've, in the past, contributed to some open source projects. And in other cases, I've contributed to code, I've contributed to tests, but there was some other, I, I can't remember, some other like paperwork requirement that was required. And I kind of went, oh, this is one step too many. <laughs> and the pull request has remained, you know, there. And then there was no one to kind of help me. And it wasn't a trivial piece of paperwork. It was a complicated something to do with the build process that you needed to add in. And I didn't understand the build process that was you know, in place, I was kind of, I, I, I can't figure this out and I don't have another four hours. I've, I've spent my <laughs> six hours, you know, you know, and, and that's how it is with these things. So it's great that you're there to, to help people. Then the other thing though, with this community toolkit, are, would the, would some of these uh, features be things that would be candidates for inclusion within Maui or the Maui extensions? Ooh, I'm glad you asked. And so listeners, we, we did not queue that up, but that no, is, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Everything uh, else is scripted, but that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually the primary goal of the toolkit. Um, yes, it's a cool place where we can add all these great features that will be, you know, we'll take care of putting that in the NuGet package and getting those updates out. And it makes it easier for everybody to share. But the primary goal is to promote these features into .NET Maui. And so we can leverage it kind of as a, almost like a testing ground, proving ground. And we actually did promote our first feature, uh, I guess it was before the holidays, back in December. Um, we had a tool that we promoted into .NET MAUI. And I love it because selfishly as a maintainer, that's less code I have to maintain. But also, um, it's super cool to see code that came from the community, see it thrive in these community toolkits, and thrives so much and so well that the .NET team literally goes, oh, I need that. Yeah, <laughs> bring that in. <laughs> and that's really nice. 
And it's kind of the, the, the whole spirit of how it should be. And it's lovely to see it working. Any final notes before we wrap up for the evening, Brandon? Oh, goodness. Um, when can we see you next? Talks, <laughs> well, events? Well, I'm nervous now because, you know, if I talk at another conference, there's going to be another variant and then we'll have to quarantine again in our homes. But um, no, I've been pretty heads down working on Community Toolkit. And uh, let's see. People want to get in touch with you. What's the best way? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird for me to think like I don't have any conferences queued up right now. Um, but yeah, uh, Twitter's the best way to get a hold of me. My handle is at the Code Traveler, um, which yeah made a lot of sense before <laughs> coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, if you if you ever want to talk shop about Xamarin, Maui, uh, .NET, C Sharp. Um, you know, Brian, I've done some podcasts on async await. That's another yep. passion of mine. Uh, yeah, feel free to follow me on Twitter or my direct messages are always open. If you have a question and you want to, uh, get some help on something as, as long as I know how to do it, I can help. But And how to find your podcast. Oh yeah. I, I have a podcast called eight bits. Um, you can find us at eight bits.tv. So that's the numeral eight. So the number eight bits.tv and we have oh gosh we're probably up 50 60 episodes now um we're actually (laughs) we're actually slowing down a little bit on purpose Mm. we were doing an episode every week and we were recording it live and that was a lot of work especially like last month i was in oslo and had to record an episode at like 11 p.m oslo time in the hotel and hope the hotel wi-fi works so we're we're scaling back to two episodes a month but yeah follow us on 8bits it's a podcast that's all about the people behind the tech so brian hopefully we'll get you on there someday you can share your journey we can inspire folks to follow in your footsteps to get into tech and do what you do as well my, my very small and, and short footsteps <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you're right podcasts are a lot of work they are and um it's not just kind of the the sitting in front of the mic and having a chat. It's the preparation and reading up on the topic and then the editing, the posting. Uh, it, it's, you know, people have asked me, how long does it take? And it's kind of, well, the recording is usually about an hour, an hour and a bit, but the whole thing is probably six, seven hours of my 100% focus work. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I that's usually why I think most podcasts fizzle out after yeah. the average is two or three episodes. <laughs> it's yeah, it's pretty slim. Actually, I don't even know what number I'm at. Hang on. So, oh, that's the wrong website. So our podcast will be 160. So yeah, mm. I've had it going since I think 2013. Um, wow. I used to do every two weeks. I used to record one every two weeks, but now it's once a month with the occasional month missing, like December, because. Yeah, time. Uh, yeah, it's the holidays. Take a break. Yeah, well deserved. Well, Brandon Minnick, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thanks so much for having me on again, Brian, and hopefully we'll chat again soon and in person. Hopefully, if you enjoyed listening to Brandon, you can check out our other episodes. That's one hundred thirty-three and thirty-four on common mistakes with async wait, and episode one hundred forty-eight, where he talks about getting an app into the various app stores.
The opening music was returned by Nisi23 from the album 11 and 12, and the closing music was Old Stories, New Habits by One Man Book from the album Potlatch. <laughs> 